I'm sure that all of you have heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. But let's be real for a minute. Who actually listens to that advice? Who is going to not judge a book by its cover? I mean, that's kind of why they have covers, right? So you can see if you'd be interested in reading it. And I mean, if, you don't, if a book doesn't have an attractive cover like some of the ones behind me, why would you read it? Why would you waste your time on any of these books? And that's the same reason why we have trailers with action-packed scenes and all the best parts for movies in them so that the people who made the movies are going to want, or so that the people who made the movies can have you go and watch them and you think that they're going to be a good movie. Or why do company logos look trendy and clean and they go for a certain look? It's because the companies want you to have a good opinion of their product or of the company in general. And you go for a certain look or an aesthetic for your social media account so that other people will have a certain opinion about you or about your life. And I think we could update the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, to don't judge someone by their Facebook status or by their Twitter bio. Although I think that's going to be a much harder task for a lot of us to do than don't judge a book by its cover. I know that would be difficult for me, at least, because it's easy for us to judge others, right? Especially people that, that we don't know all that well. And think about it. When you meet someone, what are one of the first things that you do? You look them up on, on Facebook or on Instagram to see pictures of their life and to see uh, what big life updates they posted so you can get an opinion or a judgment about their life. And if you hear that someone watches Fox News or CNN, either way, you're automatically going to have some opinions and assumptions about them. You're going to assume that, that they have uh, a certain opinion when it comes to their values and the problems and topics in society. And if you hear someone say that they don't like Bucky's, well, you're going to make some assumptions about them too. One, that they have no taste, first of all. <laughs> but... But also, I mean, come on, who doesn't like Bucky's? It's like the happiest place on earth, right? But I think as easy as it is for us to judge people that we don't know all that well, I think it's even easier for us to judge people that, that we're sideways with. I think it's easier for us to judge people who, who we have some space in our relationship and there's some history of disagreement or of conflict, and whether that might be your parents, your spouse, your relatives, your friends, people that you're supposed to get along with, when, when you have this space in between you, it can be easy to see all the messes in their life and point them out and judge them. Or it can be easy to assume that you know the full story about a situation or someone's life because you just have a couple of small details. Or it's easy to point out their problems and distract yourself from the messes and the problems that you have in your own life. It can be easier and a little more enjoyable to point out other people's messes and their problems. And all this judgment, it comes almost automatically to us. This judgment, it's, it's almost a subconscious thing that we do. It's so much a part of who we are. And all this judgment does, though, is it creates more space in these relationships where there's already way too much space. And it gives you, the, the judgments that you put into that space give you a false sense of reality of who that person really is because mostly they're based on the 
more insignificant and smaller details of that person's life, or you might not have the full story. And judgment helps validate that space. It helps you say, I'm in the right, and that person all the way over there, they're in the wrong. And we tend to ask, how can we judge someone, or what dirt can I get on this person that I have space in between? Rather than, is this space really necessary? Or am I looking at this from the right perspective? And all this judgment simply just continues to make this space wider and wider and wider. And it's clear that judgment is destructive. It's destructive to our relationships with other people, and it's destructive to our perception of that other person. I mean, if you don't believe me, ask Jesus. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this sermon that he gives with all these people gathered around him, and he, as he's standing on a hill, he starts to teach them about the tough topics, about things like anger, like lust, like loving your enemies, like, like having earthly possessions, and all of these other things that we don't love talking about. And he hits on judgment in this as well. And he, he hits judgment pretty hard because as much as it is a, a problem for us culturally, it was a problem for the people of Israel when Jesus was around as well. And this is what Jesus says. He begins by saying, stop judging so that you will not be judged. Otherwise, you'll be judged by the same standard you use to judge others. The standards you use for others will be applied to you. So what Jesus is saying here is that, that if you're throwing out judgment in all these different directions at these different people, then you're liable to get judged right back by that same standard, both by other people and ultimately by God. And I think we see this culturally today. I think we can see this all throughout our society. A couple examples might be, might be this culture that we have of when someone disagrees with our opinion or the broader opinion of the culture, we tend to stop listening to them. We tend to devalue their opinion, and we don't want to hear from them anymore. We want to cancel those people, people who make mistakes just like we do, and people who, who go against the grain of what everyone else says is right and good and what everyone agrees with. And this is, this is cancel culture. And at the heart of it, what it really is, is it's just a bunch of judgment, right? Or if you want to flip that and look at the other side, we have this culture of outrage as well, right? This culture that, that says it's okay to go onto Facebook or onto Twitter and throw a rant out there about some problem that you see in society. It's a culture that says it's appropriate to, to, to lambast a, a publishing company for taking books out of circulation just because they're trying to love the people around them. And either way, whether you're, you're more susceptible to, to devaluing other people's opinions and to cancel them out, to not listen to what they have to say and assume they don't have anything good to say, or whether you're more susceptible to become outraged at the smaller problems of this world, either way, there's judgment going on. It's flying all over the place. And the problem is that, that this judgment, it can, it can hurt other people. But Jesus keeps going. 
And he says, so why do you see the piece of sawdust in another believer's eye and not notice the wooden beam in your own eye? And when Jesus says wooden beam, he's talking about what you would build a house with, okay? He's talking about like that beam that goes across the entire barn, like a big wooden beam that you'd use for a roof. And he says, how can you say to another believer, let me take the piece of sawdust out of your eye when you have a beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the piece of sawdust from another believer's eye. What Jesus is saying here is that that you have to realize that you have some brokenness in your life as well. That we all are broken people. We all have messes in different parts of our lives that we like to keep to ourselves. And to go around and try to fix other people's problems, to try to clean up their messes without really taking stock and realizing your own Well, it's not going to go very well. It's going to go as well as if you had a giant beam sticking out of your eye and you were trying to get that little speck out of someone else's. It's not going to happen, first of all. And second of all, you're probably going to hurt them in the process and knock them in the head with that beam in your eye and give them a concussion. Judgment hurts other people. That's what Jesus is saying. And now, let me be clear. Jesus isn't saying that we should say yes to sin. Okay, Jesus isn't saying that we can just accept everyone's lifestyle as good and pleasing in God's eyes because the truth is none of ours are pleasing to God. We all have sin and brokenness in us. And there is room for judgment, but not the kind of judgment that we think of in our society today. It's not the kind of judgment that comes from a sense of superiority or from a desire to point out other people's problems in their life. This judgment comes from a place of humility. And it comes out of love. And it's a, it's a type of judgment that you can only give if you have a pretty good relationship with that person that you're talking to. And it's, not a, it's, not a, it's a judgment of correction. And it's a judgment where you walk alongside someone and you say, hey, I know I got a lot of brokenness in my life. And I know that you're dealing with some things too. Let's walk together on this road. Let's get back on track the way God wants us to live. And let's deal with these problems together. That's the kind of judgment that Jesus wants us to engage in. The only problem is, all too often, we engage in the other kind of judgment. And Jesus even says that that to judge people, to just heap judgment upon others, is like taking something precious. It's like taking a pearl or something set aside that's holy, designed to be used for purposes of serving and uh, giving glory to God. And it's to take that thing and throw it into the mud and into the dirt to be trampled on by pigs and by dogs, animals in Jesus' culture that you wouldn't even touch or get close to. Jesus says that judging people in this way is like taking that person, that precious, beloved child of God, and throwing them into the ground to be mistreated and trampled on under your judgment. So, in your life, where do you see that judgmental side of you coming out? Because we all have it in each and every one of us. When was the last time that you made a snap judgment based on someone's Twitter post? Or you assumed the full story when you only had a few of the details? Or you judge someone just so you could feel better about yourself? I know if I look back, it's, it's not too, I don't have to look back too far in my life to, to see the last time that I judged someone else's mess 
before taking stock of my own and before dealing with my own. You see, when we look in the mirror, what we see is that we all have a big wooden beam sticking out of our eyes, that we all have messes in different places in our lives, pretty much every place in our lives, and that we have space in relationships where there should be no space. So we have to ask a question then. If judgment isn't what God intends for us, if that only makes this space wider and broader, then how do we close that gap? How do we come closer to that person? And I think a way that that can happen is through curiosity. To be curious about that other person, to get the full story before you jump to any conclusions, because what curiosity does is it leaves the table open for any possibility. It makes that, that judgment that's in between you, it takes it away so that you can walk across that space to that person willing to hear the full story and willing to understand their point of view and to have an open mind and an open heart. And I think that's what God desires us to do, to remove the judgment in our lives and to close that gap, frankly, because that's what God has done for you and for me. God closed the gap in our relationship, the gap that was, that was created, this chasm between you and God that was created from your sin and from your brokenness, from all the mess that's in your life, because we all have mess in our life. And he closed that gap by coming down to you in Jesus Christ, to come to you and to forgive all your sins, to remove that judgment from your late relationship by putting it upon himself on the cross, the judgment that you deserve. Because God's judgment is right and it's valid. But Jesus takes that judgment. He puts upon himself, he dies and rises again to remove that judgment so that you have a close relationship with God, so close, in fact, that you now get to spend the rest of eternity in his presence. That's about as close as you can get. God closed the gap in our relationship, in your relationship, through Jesus. But there's more. God continues to bless you and wants to give you even more gifts. He says this, Jesus says this. He says, everyone who asks will receive, the one who searches will find, and for the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If your child asks you for bread, would any of you give him a stone? Or if your child asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? I don't think anyone would do that. Even though you're evil, even though you have a mess in your life, even though you have brokenness in your life, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So God has not only made your relationship right with him, but he wants to continue that relationship, and he wants to continue to bless you and give you gifts in that relationship. And the way that he does that is he invites you to come to him, to bring your prayers, to bring your needs to him, to ask him for whatever it is you want, you desire, or whatever it is you think you need. God invites you to bring that to him, and he gives you a direct line of communication through prayer to do that. And that doesn't mean you're going to get everything that you want. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that you ask for. Because just like a good father would, your father in heaven is going to give you the good things, the necessary things that you need in life. He's going to give you forgiveness of sins 
in the name of Jesus every single day, every single minute of your life. But he's also going to give you other things, other gifts, talents, abilities, resources that you use to provide for yourself and for others. All of these things are a gift from God. And he continues to bless you with those things according to his will, according to what he knows is best for you. God wants to stay curious. Even though he knows everything, he wants to stay curious in your relationship, and he wants you to come to him and to be reliant on him for all things in your life. So if we were going to sum up this teaching from Jesus, I think there's three good points that we would make here. First of all, Jesus teaches caution against judgment. He teaches us to be cautious, not to, uh, to remove judgment from our lives and from our relationships with others. And he desires us to have self-reflection too. He calls us to self-reflection so that we can see the mess in our own lives. We can take stock of it. We can know we're forgiven. And we can judge a little less harshly. And third, Jesus invites you to take comfort in God's love. Take comfort in the love that God has given you in the form of Jesus and that he continues to bless you with in all aspects of your life. To remember that love and to, front, and to extend that love to the people around you. And so if we want to apply these teachings that Jesus has in this short passage to uh, that relationship where we have space between you and that other person, then I think it'll help make closing that space, closing that gap between you, a little more easier. If you take judgment out of the picture, if you remove that from that space that's in between you, and if you walk across that space, humble, knowing that you bring your own baggage, that you have your own mess that you bring with you, and if you love that person as much as God loves you, if you would take that love that Jesus gives you and extend it out to the people around you, especially that person on the other side of that gap, I think nine times out of ten, you'll be able to close that gap just a little bit more. And you'll have a greater understanding of that person. And now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are saying, well, that's great. Curiosity and, and having an open mind and open heart, understanding and, and trying to understand where this other person is and, uh, and to hear the full story. I get that. But what about when, when all those judgments that I removed, when all those judgments that I tried to suppress... What happens when they all become validated? What happens when I walk across that space or I meet that person in the middle and I realize that everything that I ever thought about them was true, that I was right and that they were in the wrong? When that happens, because I'm sure it will in your life, I would challenge you not to, to run back across that space and throw all your judgments back in between you and that other person, to distance yourself and say, I am in the right and they are in the wrong, and that's the way it's just going to have to be. Instead of doing that, I would challenge you to extend love to that person, however much you can, to get as close to closing that gap as you can in that relationship, because God didn't let anything stand in his way when he closed the gap in your relationship with him. He went all the way to the cross, to death for you, in order to close that gap. And so that's what I'd encourage you to do, to use that love to close that gap with that person. 
Jesus says this. He summarizes the entire Sermon on the Mount, a couple chapters worth, with this one phrase. Always do for other people everything you want them to do for you. Jesus is saying that if you want love, acceptance, and understanding from God, that if you enjoy receiving those things from God, and if that's how you want God to treat you, then you've got to extend that love to the people around you as well. You have to take these gifts that God has given you and extend them out to the people around you because that person on the other side of that gap is also loved and a child of God. And so maybe that looks a little bit differently for each relationship. Maybe loving that person means you have to love them at a distance. Maybe that means that, that you can only go halfway or so because if you get any closer, it's going to stop being very loving. But I would encourage you to extend that love as much as you can. And maybe it means loving in a way that you're not completely used to. But that's what you're challenged to do, to love that person because of Jesus' love for you. And so, remove that judgment that's in that relationship. Walk across that space knowing that you have your own mess. You have your own baggage that you bring. And knowing that you are loved and redeemed and forgiven by God. And take that love that Jesus has given you and that it's in your relationship with him that he keeps feeding into you. And extend that love and let it overflow into all the other relationships in your life, especially ones where there's space between you and that other person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for bringing us here together today to receive the forgiveness of all of our sins, both in your word and your body and blood. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that, that you would help us to close the gap between the people around us. And we thank you for closing the gap between ourselves and, your, and you. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would let the love of Jesus extend out from our relationship with you into all the other relationships in our lives. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us in doing so. In your name we pray. Amen.